So, but Keith talked about last week, um, kept by his power. And, you know, so I started thinking about that, and I thought, you know, how do we get this power? If we're kept by this power, how do we get this power? But that really wasn't what was on my mind and heart because I already kind of knew how to get this power. And it went back to what he said a few Sundays ago about what I got in the service. And I thought you might be interested to know exactly what I did get in the service that Sunday. And it was really, really good. But it wasn't for you. It was for me. And I know you were thinking, well, that's just a glorious thing that it's, she's getting all this revelation. But I was selfish about it. It was something I needed to get. You know, he was talking about, you know, Peter and how the Lord told him, you know, Peter, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. How many of you remember that? You know, if you don't watch and pray, the cock's going to crow three times and you're going to fall, right? Well, immediately when that happened, Peter said, oh, no, 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 we got this, Right? We got this. Just in his flesh and in his mind, he's like, nah, we got this. And so what did he do? <laughs> they went to sleep, right? Instead of saying, oh, no, no, we, we, we're going to be on our toes about this. We're going to be alert. We're going to watch. You know, we don't got this, you know. And so immediately I thought about myself in situations. And I thought about how... Many a times I've made jokes about when Keith has told me things. You've heard me speak before, and you've heard me tell jokes about how that Keith doesn't just fuss at me or jump on me, but a lot of times he'll say, Phil, you've sure been texting a lot lately. Or, Phil, you've sure been working a lot of hours lately. You've heard me tell that, right? And kind of, I kind of did what Peter did. I got this. You've never done that. Right? I got this. You mind your business. I got this. Right? But, you know, kind of like Peter, Jesus was his bud. Right? Jesus was kind of just like he hung around him every day. So they got a little bit familiar with each other. And so when Jesus said, watch and pray, it was just kind of like, mm-hmm, yeah, we got this. So when Keith said, Phil, you've been, you've been doing a lot. You know, you've been working a lot. You've been texting a lot. It was kind of like, yeah, that's my husband. I got this. You know? So what happened when failure came? The crash came for Peter. What happened when the, the rooster crowed three times? He began to weep and he began to cry. What happened when failure came for me? I began to weep. I began to cry. Now, I'm telling you all this. That's what happened to me in the service that day when I was getting all this stuff about Peter. Okay? So I immediately began to think about failure came for Peter. Right? So I immediately went to Peter. It just it hit me like a ton of bricks. What did Peter get out of that? What, did, what conclusion did he come to from that failure? Did he learn anything from it? Or is he like a lot of other people and he didn't learn anything from it? Did Peter learn something from that? Okay? Because I like to see if, if somebody's, you know, teaching me something. What did they learn? Where did they get that from? So immediately, let's look at it for just a second. And uh, you'll see why I got that. Okay? 1 Peter 5. 
5, 5 in the NIV. 1 Peter 5, 5 in the NIV. It said young men and it would apply young women. And I, so I was thinking about myself at that point. Okay? Peter fell. I kind of fell the same way. When the attack came, I didn't win. Okay? Peter didn't win. You ever had an attack that you didn't win? Okay? When I don't win an attack, I want to know why I didn't win the attack. Okay? I don't like losing over and over and over again. Right? We don't want to be dumb and just fail and fail and fail and fail. We want to know why we don't. If we fail an attack, we want to know why we fail them and not fail them over and over again. All right. So this is what he said why he didn't fail again. Okay? He wasn't dumb twice. He was dumb once. Okay? So he said, young men, young women, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Now, Peter failed the attack, but he's telling us, hey, next time Jesus tells me something, what am I going to do? I'm going to listen. He's more mature than me spiritually. So the next time Jesus tells me something, I'm going to listen. So Phyllis's ears is thinking, I'm talking about me now. This is what I got out of the service that morning. I'm sitting over there, and I have my concordance on my phone, and I'm sitting over there looking this up, and I'm looking up words, and, I, and I'm thinking, okay, Peter, what, what did you get out of this? And, and I'm thinking, okay, Phyllis, next time an attack comes and somebody more spiritually mature than you says to you something, you should listen. Now, Keith is my husband, but he's also my pastor and the prophet in my life a lot of times. And he told me, Phil, you're working too much. Not just as my husband, but as a word from God. And I didn't listen. And so I crashed and burned. Let's go on and see what he says. So he says, all of you clothe yourself. Now, what do you do when you clothe yourself? Come here, Rob. Take it off. Take your coat off. No, take, bring it up here. Come up here so everybody can see you. Now, now Rob doesn't have his coat on. Now, what's he going to do to clothe himself? He's going to put it on. Did he clothe himself with that coat? He put it on. That means he didn't have it already. Right? It was something that he didn't have already. He didn't have this coat on already. Did you see that? Take it off. Does he have a coat on? Right? That means he does not have this coat on. Put it on. Now does he have a coat on? That means he clothed himself with this coat. Okay, that's what it's talking about. All of you clothe yourself with something. What are we to clothe ourselves with? Humility. Humility. That means we don't already have it. That means we have to put it on like a coat in every situation. That means when Keith told me, you thanks, Rob, when Keith told me, Phil, are you texting too much? Phil, 
Are you doing too much? Phil, how long has it been since you heard my series on rest and recovery? Uh-huh. I'll get to that. I got this. That's just my husband. I, but you don't understand. If I don't take care of this, who's going to do it? You don't understand. We got this going and this going and this going and this meeting's coming up and you're going to be here and this is happening and this is happening and then we got this going and we got this going and this big meeting's coming up and this is happening and this is happening. You reckon Peter had some excuses? Lord, we've been going night and day for weeks and weeks and weeks and we were just really tired. We were just taking a short nap. Right? But if we clothe ourselves with humility and listen to the ones that are over us, do you think that Peter knew what he was talking about now? Yes. Clothe ourselves with humility because God opposes the proud, but then he gives grace to the humble. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under, the mighty hand of, uh, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. Now, I'm getting all this for me that Sunday morning while he's preaching up here. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and be alert. Your enemy, who's your enemy? The devil, devil, not the person telling you. Keith wasn't being my enemy even though I was looking at him like he was my enemy. The person telling you isn't your enemy. They're most likely the one that's trying to help you. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, if you put this all together, who does he get to devour? The who? The who? The who? Proud. He gets to devour the proud. So I decided that day I didn't want to be proud. Because once you get devoured, it's hard to get undevoured. And it's hard to get uneaten. And it's hard to get well again when you're sick or when all your money's gone or when you've got a divorce or when bad things are happening in your life. And this is what it says. That's how you get devoured is when you're proud. So he says, resist him standing firm in the faith because he knows that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, this was the part that I liked when I got to it because I thought, God, you're so good to us. You show us this and you give us all this. Now, Peter is talking about this. He's talking about he went through all that and he realizes that he has to humble himself and quit being so proud. That when somebody older than him tells him something, what's he going to do? He's going to listen. So he must have done it in the future because you don't see that. And this is what he says. He said, and the God of all grace who will call you to his eternal glory in Christ. After that, you suffered a little while. Did Peter suffer a little while after doing that? Did he cry? Did he feel bad? He suffered a little while. 
will himself restore you. He's restored me. He's restored me. And make you strong and firm and steadfast. And that's what God does. But you got to quit being the proud. You got to be the humble. And that's what I got that morning in the service. So Peter thought he had it, he did it, and he told us where he missed it. And I thought, you know what? I had it that day too. And I thought, this is what I thought when Keith told me that. I thought, you know, I got it. Now, none of y'all have ever done things like this. Okay? So I'm telling you about me. I thought, I got this, Keith. This is what I'll do. Nobody will have to know there's an attack. Nobody will have to know anything. I'll just get up extra early in the morning. I'll read my Bible. I'll get your healing book. I'll read extra things on healing uh, throughout the day. I've got my phone. I've got all my healing scriptures put in them. I'll, I'll just take the time. I'll make my healing confessions. I'll do these things. I'll get everything done. I'll just add it to my day. One more thing. And then when I get home at night, before I go to bed, I'll do it again, you know, and I'll get my Bible out and I'll add some more healing things to my day and I'll read my Bible even more and I'll add it to my day and I'll build myself up and I'll pray in the Spirit some extra and God, you'll just fix me then. I had a plan. I'd made myself a plan and I fit it right into my agenda. you never done that. But you know what? That was my plan. I didn't stop to ask God about the plan. I just figured this out all by myself. I didn't ask God how it was supposed to be. I just said, God, this is what I'm going to do. Now you bless it and you heal me and you fix it for me. Because I was already healed. But you know what? Sometimes you got to seek God about the way he wants things done. And God don't got no drive throughs And God don't got no microwaves. And he knows exactly what you were supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. And you know, the funny thing is, he don't do it according to our flesh and our time frame. And I didn't much care for that. I didn't much care for the fact that I had to cut out my agenda and do it his way. Let's see one of God's ways. Let's look at this. Turn with me real quickly to 2 Kings chapter 5 in the NIV. Second Kings NIV verse uh, 1. Chapter 5. Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the kings of Aram. 
And he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given a victory to Aram. He was a a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Okay? And said, Now the bands of Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Syria, uh, Samaria, um, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram said, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill? And can I bring that to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? Now stop right there. Was he trying to pick a quarrel? Why do people that are negative find negative in everything? That's all they know is right. Instead of trying to see it for what it was, they just automatically assume everything is negative because they're negative. But if you're looking for the positive, you might find positive. Flip your switch. Flip your coin. Start looking for positive in things, and everything in your whole life might not be negative. And everybody might not be negative. Okay? Verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and uh, he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So when Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at Elisha's, at the door of Elisha's house, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. Now, go back up to verse 1 with me for just about 30 seconds. Naaman was the commander of the army of the king. Is that what it said? Now, how many of you have ever been in charge of a bunch of people before? Does it ever, ever, ever has ever the possibility of that P word come in when you're in charge of people? Huh? That P word ever come in when you got a bunch of people under you? You know what P word I'm talking about? Pride. That you don't really want them to know that anything's wrong with you. Why why do you think, now I'm telling off on myself, why do you think that I got up and I prayed and I, and I was expecting the Lord just to heal me right away. I didn't want nobody to know anything was wrong. Right? You never done that? Huh? Why did he, why did he want this man? Watch what happened in the next verse. But Naaman went away angry and said... I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and just wave his hand over the spot 
and cure me of my leprosy. Well, now that would be a lot more dignified, wouldn't it? He would just save face and be a lot more dignified than having to go to the dirtiest river around and do what? Huh? Dump himself in front of all of his helpers and all of his staff and everybody and do what? Humble himself. There's just something about that humble word, isn't it? That our flesh doesn't really care for. But in order for Naaman to get healed, what did he have to do? He had to go dump himself in that dirty river, didn't he? And sometimes in order to get what God wants, we got to do it his way. Because you can't get healing your way. You can't get money your way. You can't get deliverance your way. Because you know what? You ain't got it no way. We have to do it his way. And his way don't always coincide with our flesh. <coughs> we have to do it the way that he says do it. So this is what he said. Are, you, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Why can't I go in one of these nice clean rivers? I'm too good for that river. Right? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants. Again, there's his servants. See, they're right there. Went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleaned? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And as the man of God had told him, his flesh was restored and became clean, just like that of a young boy. Number one, the man of God didn't come out and do it. He sent a messenger to tell him. And he had to go do something in a place that he didn't feel like he was dignified to do it. We don't always get to say the way things are going to happen in our life. We have to do it the way God says do it if we want his power to do what we want it to do in our lives. I didn't want to have to stop doing what I was doing. I didn't want to have to stop and rest. Don't you know? That wasn't in my plan. It wasn't in my plan to have to stop and let somebody else do my task for me. That wasn't part of my plan. It wasn't who I was. It wasn't my idea. I had another idea. God could do it a dozen thousand different ways. That wasn't the one, though. There was a million different ways. I would go up and, and let Keith pray for me. I would, you know, Brother Copeland could have prayed for me. And just instantly it could have happened. I believed in instantaneous. But to stop doing what you're doing, halt, stop, not do it for a while, no. Not your flesh. Your flesh doesn't like that stuff. 
Your flesh wants to do it the way it wants to do it and tell God how it wants it done. And he's supposed to obey. Because we've got everybody else obeying, why can't he obey? Right? But it doesn't work that way. You know, God is not, is it McDonald's or Burger King? Have it your way. Burger King? You know, he is, we do it my way. And just because you've convinced your grandma and your mom and your spouse and everybody else to do it your way, God don't do it that way. He does it his way. If we want his results, we have to do it his way. Look at this. I really like this next one because Mark 5, you all know the story. Mark 5, 25, the certain woman that had the issue of blood. And I've thought about her over and over and over again. What did she have to do in order to be healed? Did she have to humble herself to get healed? Oh, my word. She's practically crawling on the ground and touching the hem of his garment to get healed. But was it worth it to her to be healed? She had suffered everything she could. She'd done it her way year after year after year. She'd been to every physician that she could go to. She'd done everything the world had told her to do. But she then had to do it God's way. If I can but touch Him, I'll be healed. So she made her way. She got out of her house. She put her flesh under and she touched Him. Was that humbling herself? Oh, man. Sometimes our flesh doesn't like the ways of God. It just doesn't. And God's not going to embarrass you, but He is going to make you do it His way. Well, not make you. You don't have to do anything. Well, but die. You'll probably do that. Look at this one. Joshua 6, verse 2 in the King James. Joshua 6.2. It was Jericho, and in verse 2 it said, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into thine hand. Or I have given into thine hand Jericho. Now, I really like that. Has God ever told you he's given you something? Yes. How many of you, you know God's given you stuff? Oh, he tells me all the time. That's yours. You can have that. But... Read the next part. Verse 3. It's yours, but you got to go around that city. Y'all got to do this six days. Now, wait a minute. God said he gave it to you. then why don't you have it? Huh? 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 If God said he gave you something, why don't you got it? What do you got to do? 
Do you have to do anything if God said he gave you something? You still got to do what he says. He says, you got to do this for six days, and then the priest shall bear the ark, the seven trumpets of the rams and the horns, and the seventh day you accomplish the city, and then what are you going to do? We all know the story. They marched around the walls for seven days. What if they had marched for six and a half days? What if it had gotten really hot in the middle of the six and a half day and they said, I am done with this. I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it anymore. It wouldn't have worked. And all of their money was there. All of the things they were believing for was there. Well, what if God says he's given you a house? But he says you have to take this job at this store and work there for three years to get it. But you work two years and quit and say, I am not putting up with that boss anymore. I am done with him. Huh? No house. Huh? She's laughing really too hard. Really, really too hard. Or what if God says you have to go to that church for three years before you get your house? Uh Uh-oh. Or what if God says you have to sow this money? Or what if God says you have to do this and work in children's for three years before you have a baby? And you do it for a year and a half. People are saying the things of God don't work. And they're blaming God and thinking the things of God don't work. God doesn't answer my prayers. He doesn't hear me. Things are not happening in my life. When God's answering our prayers and He's doing things, it would be just exactly like me. Keith saying, from the direction of the Lord. Do you know... You can't always see the answer in your life. Because you're so involved in your life that you can't always see the answer in your life. That's why God said, through through Peter, he said, be submissive to those who are older than you. They got a better view than you. And you can't always see the answer in your life. And so he'll put somebody around you that might say, you know what? If you go get a job, things are going to turn around for you. And you'll go, okay. And you go and you work there for a week. And you say, that boss is mean. I ain't staying there. I ain't staying there. I don't care. I ain't staying there. And God's already picked you out a nice house and a nice wife to go with it. But you only stay a month. And God's got a perfect plan for your life. But your flesh says, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I I don't care how pretty she is. I ain't doing it. It's just like me. I can do it my way and get it to work. I I know I can. I can read all the verses. I know how to read a kid's book. I know if I spend some time in that book, I'll I'll get the answers that I want. And and God, it's the ministry. We're affecting lives. 
and I wouldn't want anybody to fall through the cracks because I didn't do everything I was supposed to do and then somebody not get ministered to and something happened and there, there you have it. It's the ministry. Don't you, don't you understand? It doesn't matter how much you argue with God. If you don't do what he asked you to do, he can't do what he promised you he would do. If he told them to march around there for seven days and they did it for one day, are they going to get the results? If they do it for two days, are they going to get the results? If they do it for three days, are they going to get the results? If they do it for four days, is God holding it back from them because he doesn't love them? Is he holding it back from them because he doesn't want to give it to them? Is he holding it back from them because they sinned? Is he holding it back from them because they did something wrong? Why? Why would he hold it back from them? Just because they didn't do what he said do. That's all. He's wanting to give it to them. But there's something in motion in there. And you know what it is? It's heart. Look with me at something else. Proverbs 14, 12. Did you know that even if there are no doors, God can tear down the wall if he told you something was for you? But you got to do what he said do. If he said it was yours, he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll tear down every wall, but you got to do what he said do. How he said do it. He'll heal you, but you got to do what he said do the way he said do it. And I know there's probably some questions about what I'm saying, but you'll hear it in just a second. Proverbs 12, 14, 12 in the Amplified. Read this with me, please. There is a way that what? There is a way that what? There is a way that what? Seems right to a man and appears straight before him. But at the end of its way is what? It can seem right to you. But if it's not God's way, there's death in it. Because the devil can make a lot of stuff seem right. But if it's not what God told you to do, there's death in it. It seemed right to me that I kept doing my job. You know, we had always heard. I mean, everybody knows the story of Smith Wigglesworth. I don't ask Smith how he feels. I tell Smith how he feels. And you just get up and keep going. But is that a leading of the Lord? That's a Smith testimony. Is that what God told you to do? Everybody's got to hear from God for themselves. And they need to be talking to Him for themselves. And they need to find out what He's telling them. Maybe you need to get up and get to work. Maybe just the opposite. But you got to hear from God for yourself. You know, in order to get God working in your life, you got to do it the way, how, when, what he says do. Let me explain it to you this way. Okay. How many of you have electricity in your house? 
Stand up if you don't have electricity in your house. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, when you got electricity in your house, power we'll call it. I'm going to change the word from electricity to power so you understand what I'm saying. When you got power in your house, did you have to go to the power company and give them a deposit? or do it online, or some way you had to give them a deposit or make a deposit in order to get them to turn on your electricity. Is that right? Right? You had to do it their way, right? Now, what if you had not given, gone to the power company, given them your information, given them a deposit, would they have turned on your power? No. Now, they want your business because they can make money off of you, but would they have turned on your power anyway? Would they have just come out to your house because you called them and said, I really want power with you. You know, I'm a really kind person and I don't sin and I don't do drugs and I don't cheat and I keep all the Ten Commandments and I go to church and I'd really like to have power with you. Would you turn my power on, please? Would they have turned your power on? I give you my word, I'll pay my bill. Would they have turned your power on? How many of you, it was a stinking headache to get your power on? You had to get the right numbers, and you had to get the box number, and you had to do this, and you had to do that, and it was a headache to get your power on. And you had to do it exactly right to get it on. And maybe your address wasn't exactly what you thought it would be, and you figured, how can it still be so messed up when there's been 26 people that's lived in this house? You understand what I'm saying? You had to do it exactly the way that they said do it to get your power. Why? Because it's their power. It's their power. And if you want their power, you've got to do it their way. It's, they are the power company, and if you want their power, you've got to do it their way. Now, the other day, I had to get a new stove, cooktop. Look at Rob laughing. He knows what I'm going to tell. And Rob and Dan did an extraordinary job putting that cooktop in for me. They really did. It looked perfect. Well, so I told Keith, I said, the guys did a great job putting my cooktop in. Well, it was one of those new induction cooktops. I ain't, don't go buy one just yet. I ain't settled. <laughs> if I like it or not. But anyway, it looked beautiful. And Keith says, I'm on the phone with him. He says, well, how does it work? Go in there and see. Does it do what they said it would do? Well, I, you know, we kind of thought, well, it's hot down here in Florida. It won't heat up the house, all these things, you know, and and uh, so I'll go in there, and I turn it on, and it looks beautiful. Nothing. Nothing. No power. What's wrong? There's no power. Nothing. I'm thinking, okay, it's a new stove. 
new, new cooktop. No power. Now I know I have power in the house. I, can, I got lights on. So what's wrong? Huh? We didn't do something the power company's way. We didn't connect to the power. Do you understand what I'm saying? We did not connect to the power company. Now, was that the power company's fault? The power company was supplying us with the power. The power was there. Waiting for us to connect to it. The power never left. It was always there. The power source was there. The power was there. But he turned off the power. <laughs> and didn't turn, or he did. Who turned it off? Uh-huh, which one, Dan? He, uh-huh. I, I love picking on those two. One of them turned the power off and didn't turn it back on. Well, one time they turned it on and he got shocked, so they turned it off since then. <laughs> but they didn't turn it back on. Now, was that the power company's fault? The power was always present to provide that stove power. It never left. It was always there, ready to provide power to that, to that cooktop to do the job it needed to do. It never left. It was us that didn't do our part. We had plenty of power. All they had to do was, I think, Dan, the next morning. I did, actually, didn't I? Oh, yeah, I forgot I did. I went out there, and I flipped that switch. And my power came back on. And I went in there, and I had power. Now, maybe you need to be flipping a switch. Flipping a switch to do what God told you to do. That's just how hard it is to get God, the power, back in your life. Flipping a switch from doing it your way to His way. Keith was talking about how easy it was to be healed. That's how easy it is. I went from not being and having what I needed to having what I needed. Just by flipping that switch and said, okay, God, I'll do it your way. Okay, God, you win. I surrender. I do it your way. That's how easy it is to get from God what he wants us to have. We can't do it our way and get the power. We got to do it his way. But you know what? The story wasn't done then. The stove was on. I've turned it on. Put the pot on there to see how quickly the water boiled, like they said. And about five seconds it went off. I thought, what is up with this? I thought, oh no, I'm not going to have to do it. I had to read the manual. 
<laughs> Keith was not there. <laughs> Help me, Lord. And you know what? Sometime we have to read the manual. Sometime we have to find out what God said about it. We have to find out that he said do it this way. We have to know what this book says. The power is always present to heal. It never left us. The power is always ready to provide. It never leaves. It's us doing the disconnect. It's us turning off. What are those called? Breakers? It's us turning off the breaker. You know, and people say, well, you know what? God's already given us everything that we need. He's already supplied it all. I knew you were going to say that. You know, I was thinking about the New Testament today. You know, when Jesus came, he provided everything. You don't have to do these things. I wanted to share a couple of things with you. God's not legalistic. He's not one ounce legalistic. And I like that about him because I'm not legalistic. So I thought about a few stories. And I thought about this. When they came to Jesus and asked about the taxes, and he told them to go, told Peter, he said, now go fishing. Right? Well, I thought about it, and I thought, yep, go fishing, catch a fish. This is how easy it was. He threw the line in, he caught a fish. I just, in my head, I thought, you know what he did? He threw that line in, and an angel went and hooked a fish on that line, and he come there, put that coin in his mouth, and there come up the fish. Now, you may not believe it that way, okay? That's the way I believe it, okay? But if you don't believe it that way, let me help you believe it that way, okay? <laughs> Keith ain't here. We can do it however we want to do it. He's over there. He can't stop me right now. <laughs> okay. Look at another fish story, if you don't believe that. This is the way God does things. I don't believe he's legalistic. The other fish story is this. This is how non-legalistic he is when we're doing our, with our heart in the New Testament to me. He said, was, was it Simon with his boat? He went and he used his boat. He said, now, Simon, you go out and fish, and you're going to catch some fish. Well, Simon says, I don't want to. It's been all night, you know. And, but he did. He went out and he fished. Now, this is what, the way I picture it. Here's the angels. Okay? Ten people come up here with me. This is ten angels. Okay? Okay, there's the boat over there where the pews are. Come here, grab, everybody grab hands. It's like you're doing those, and face, face the seats over there. Now, this is the, no, make a half circle here, half circle here. Now, there's the fish in front of us, and they're just doing like this. Come on, fishies, go, 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 get in that boat, get in that boat, get in that boat, get in that boat. <laughs> That's what I believe happened. They just loaded the fish in the boat because Simon obeyed. Simon didn't have to do anything. He just obeyed God, and the boat overflowed with fishes because his heart was right. But now what if, what if, what if, what if? Simon said, you know what? I'm tired. I don't want to get the boat out. I think I'm just going to throw the net off the end of this pier right here. Now, could God have got him the fish at the end of that pier? Huh? Could he have done it, though? Absolutely. He could have rained them from the sky if he'd have wanted to. 
He could have put them in his kitchen, cleaned and put them in the refrigerator. But what did he want to see? Obedience. He wanted to see his heart. He wanted to see if he was going to do it the way he told him to do it. He said, get in your boat, go out there, and you're going to catch some fish. Did he catch some fish or did he catch some fish? Okay. God, Jesus told him, go fill up the water pots with wine, with water. Did they fill them up with water? Could they have filled them up with something else? Sure. They filled them up with water. Not only did they get wine, but they got the very best wine. Because that's the way God works. So if he tells you to go and get a job and I'll pay off your car, not only is he going to be liable to pay off your car, he's liable to pay off your house and your tuition and your back debts and everything else because you obeyed what he told you to do. Because that's the kind of God he is. He's, he's looking to bless you because of your obedience. When you do one thing, he does a hundred things. He multiplies it. He overexceeds what he told you to do. He's not just looking to make wine. He's looking to make the very best wine for you. Yes. He's, okay, the five loaves and the two fishes. He says, okay, we got five loaves and two fishes. You guys sit down here and we're going to feed you. Now, what if... He said, you sit down in, in groups of 50s and in groups of 100s. What if they said, you know what? We don't really feel like breaking up and taking the time. We're kind of tired too. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to sit here in a circle. We prefer to sit in a circle. We're a circle kind of people. <laughs> we like circles better than squares. Do you think God could have blessed them that way? No. It was the point of doing the obedience of fifties and hundreds and then breaking it and handing it out to them. And what was left over? Twelve baskets. So when we obey Him, there's abundance and there's left over and there's superabundance and exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. It's not that he's a legalistic God. It's that he's looking for our hearts to do what he tells us to do. And the minute that we do, it's like a floodgate opens in our lives. That's why the devil is so, 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 so strong on our flesh. And that's why he says, don't do it that way. He's constantly feeding into your head. Every time God says, do it this way, he's constantly saying, rebel, do it this way. Rebel, do it this way. Every time God says, listen to them, he says, don't. No, no, don't. Don't, don't, don't. Do it your way. No, 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 don't listen to your elders. Do it this way. Every time. Every time. Because he don't want your fish nets to overflow. He don't want you to get the best wine. He don't want you to have the very best. He's a smart devil. He's not dumb. 
And he knows if you will listen to what God is telling through people that are over you and listen to the Lord and do what he tells you to do, your blessings are just going to exceed anything you've ever thought or imagined. And he knows that if you'll do it the way he says do, nothing will be able to contain what's about to happen in your life. Miracles are about to happen. Overflow is about to happen. Blessings are about to happen. Abundance is about to happen. Anything you've ever thought or imagined is about to happen in your life. So his game is to get you to not listen. It is the greatest game he has. Don't listen. Rebel. Don't listen. Rebel. So what we have to do, I have to do it myself. That's why I'm up here talking to you about it. Is, man, not only is the devil going to lose what he tried to do to me, is I'm going to get up here and stomp his face in it every single day and tell him how just exactly dumb he was for trying something that stupid. Because I have a voice that I can tell other people how dumb he was. Now, how dumb was that? He should have tried it on somebody that didn't matter. These cameras go all around the world. I mean, they're going to China tonight. They're going to Hungary tonight. They're going to Russia tonight. They're going everywhere around the world. That was really dumb, devil. And not only that, it's the same thing with you. We don't have to play his games anymore. When you feel that inside you, and you know it when you feel it, you're not dumb. He's the dumb one. You know when you feel it, and the Lord's trying to deal with you to do something, and you go, "Mm, I don't want to. I don't want to submit to them. I don't want to submit to my boss. I don't have to listen to them. Well, no, you don't. But you don't have to get blessed either. (laughs) And you can stay sick too. But I don't know about you, but I like being blessed and I like being well. Can you say amen? Brother Keith, I'm done. (laughs) I'm all done now. I'm all done now. Are you done? I'm done. Hallelujah. I believe that was the cue. Thank you, Lord. Everybody stand up and let's praise God for that. Oh, Father, we worship you. We thank you for the light of your word. Come on, let's lift your hands. Let's thank the Lord. How many believe the Lord's speaking to us tonight? I absolutely believe that. Father, we thank you. We worship you. Come on, let's praise Him some, Lord. We give You glory. We honor You. We say Your Word is true. We say Your Spirit is right. Oh, Father, we worship You. Thank You so much for the truth that makes us free. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Lord, we thank You for Phyllis. We thank you for the anointing owner. We thank you for the utterance. We thank you for the light and revelation. This is not just something she came up with. You gave it to her. And we receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everybody said out loud, thank you, my good father. Thank you, my good father. 
for the truth. Your way is the right way. And I confess, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. He is the proud one. He is the rebellious one. He is the disobedient one and the deceiver. And he is not my father and he is not my Lord. I don't have to be like him. I don't have to yield to him. I don't have to listen to him. And I choose not to. Satan, I resist you. I resist disobedience. I resist pride. I stand against rebellion and refuse to yield to it. Hallelujah. 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 Father God, I choose to yield myself to you, to humble myself to you, and to follow you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord.